welcome to the All People's Church Sunday podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more messages and resources, please visit allpeoples.com or download our free All People's Church app. tell you to sit down. Stand back up, Penny. All right, what I want you to do is I want you to grab somebody's hand. I want you to pray for them right now that, that the Lord would um, alter the course of their life today. I want you to just take just a moment just to begin to pray for them like you would want them to pray for you. Pray that God would so radically encounter their life right now. Just go ahead and begin to pray for them right now, for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit to come upon them. Just take a moment just to pray for them. Jesus. I want you to pray right now just for fire in their hearts, uh, for the passionate Jesus Christ. Just go ahead and begin to pray for the fire of God in their hearts to burn. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Well, you did good. Well, I'm excited about uh, today. Um, I know that the Lord is going to do some powerful things. You can take a seat. I know the Lord is going to do some powerful things this morning. Um, the Holy Spirit changes the world inside of us to change the world around us. And I, I'm excited about this person named Jesus Christ. And um, my life has been changed by Jesus. I know that your life has been changed by Jesus. And I also know that there is individuals here that they need to know Jesus, and, and there's going to be an opportunity for you to, um, to know the Lord, not just with your mind, but with your heart. How many people realize that, that the gospel was never meant to be a gospel of the mind? God's not interested in us becoming more intellectual. Even though our mind is wonderful, it's a great tool, it's just not our master. God wants to move through our heart. It's with the heart that we believe under salvation. And God is going to do some powerful things in our hearts this morning. You know, I love the verse in John 3, 16 because it's so simple. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. What's the motivation of our life? It's, it's really to know God, know his love. And when we know his love, we become secure in his love. But then we also are empowered to love the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. When we know that we're loved, there's something that happens inside of us that we want to give Jesus to the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Recently, I wrote a book called Compassion to Action, and it's really about the love of Jesus Christ and how Jesus honored us. Jesus honored us over 2,000 years ago hanging on a bloody cross because he thought that you and I was worth it. As he hung on that cross, he looked into the future and he saw you and he saw me and he said, you're worth it. I love you. You're worth it. I love you. 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 The cross of Jesus Christ is a bold statement of love. 
It's a bold statement of compassion for humanity. And I wrote this book in such a way to inspire people in a lifestyle of compassion to action. One of the things I realized when I got born again is Jesus didn't just want me to come to church. He wanted me to become the church. And what's happening right now in the body of Christ, we just celebrated an incredible event yesterday, the Azusa Now. And the goal behind that event wasn't just to fill a stadium up so we can have a great time. But there was the heart behind it. Lou Engle's heart behind that was the mobilization of evangelism throughout America and beyond. And that is the heart of Jesus Christ. And I, and I wrote this book to empower people, to see people equipped to believe that they too become witnesses for Jesus Christ. God wants to use ordinary people to openly display the raw power of God. I want to give this book away to somebody that, that you're at a place right now in your life, you're at a tipping place, that you know that God is talking to you about sharing your faith out the four walls of the church. You're, you're at a place. All right, well, God bless you, man. Give him a hand clap. All right. God bless you. I love the simplicity of that young man's heart. How many people, if you're honest this morning, you're at a tipping place? You know that God's asking you to step out. Let me see your hands, come on. You know that God's talking to you about stepping out as a lifestyle, not just an outreach, but as a lifestyle. Let me see your hands one more time. The Holy Spirit's talking to people. He's talking to people. He's talking to people throughout America right now. He's talking to people throughout the world right now. To surrender and just live 100% for him. Wherever they go, to openly display the love of Jesus. The love of God has to become our motivation. When our motivation is love, doors will always open up. Sometimes people try to be supernatural. They try to be really, really spiritual without them even realizing they're already spiritual. People try to be supernatural sometimes, not knowing that they're already supernatural. A lot of times people try to move in the word of knowledge. They try to move in the giftings. But if they would just have an understanding that love opens up the realm of the spirit, it would take a lot of pressure off of them. Have you ever seen a, a grape on a vine trying to uh, be a good grape? In John 15, it talks about, you know, abiding in the vine. You know, when you abide in God's love, when you know that you're a son, when you know that you're a daughter, that you've been blood-bought by Jesus Christ, you won't have to perform. All you get to do is abide. And fruit takes place naturally through your life, supernaturally, because you're abiding in him. And God wants us to live a lifestyle of miracle signs and wonders through love. Because love has to be the motivation of everything that we do and say. A wise man once said this, if you're not walking in love, you're not walking with the dove. When the love of God becomes our motivation, doors open up for you and I. When we seek to find out, okay, God, how do you see this person? How do you love this person? Show me your heart for this person. It's much more easy to be able to share the love of Jesus with them. Instead of you trying, oh, gosh, I have to have them pray this prayer. Oh, my gosh, I'm trying to get a word of knowledge. Oh, my gosh. There's a lot of tension in that, isn't there? And there's no peace in that. I've discovered this. It's really hard to take, a, uh, take authority over demonic spirits when you're trying so hard. And when you don't have peace. The moment you give up your peace, you give up your authority. 
Jesus said, I give you power and authority. And something wonderful is going to happen this morning. People are going to get healed. People are going to get saved. And people are going to get baptized in the Holy Spirit to be mobilized to impact this generation. I got saved when I was 18 years old. I weighed 400 pounds. I didn't get saved in a church building. I got saved in jail when I was 18 years old. And God had mercy on my soul. And someone began to share Jesus with me. And, and to be honest with you guys, I didn't want to hear anything about Jesus. Because I was raised in the church. I was raised in the church and, and I saw a lot of hypocrisy in the church. And I didn't want to hear anything about Jesus. But the second day when I was in there, something began to happen in my heart. Holy Spirit touched my heart. Holy Spirit began to reveal the real Jesus to me. The person of Jesus Christ. Something happened in my heart. You want to know something that's amazing? Religion can't change someone's heart. I had murder living inside of my heart. Violent behavior living inside of my heart. I had lust living inside of my heart. Religion can't take that out of a person, but the power of God can. Jesus, the very person can. And I took that Bible that was given to me the second day, and I, I, I went in my cell, and I knelt down on my knees, and I said, Jesus, I heard that you have the power to forgive my sins. Please come into my heart. Save me. If you can get me out of jail, I'll preach the gospel. And, I, and in that moment, something happened. I felt the person come in my cell, the person of Jesus Christ. But not only did I feel the person come in my cell, I felt him come inside of me. And he drove the darkness out of me. He drove the sin out of me. And his blood that never drives up came over my life and cleansed me from all my sins. I want to tell you, my friends, this morning, the blood of Jesus Christ never dried up. It's never dried up. It is still flowing today. It still has power today to change someone's heart. It still has power to transform an individual's life. Jesus says in Mark chapter 1, follow me and I'll make you become fishers of men. He first preached this message of repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And we know the kingdom of God doesn't come with just words, but it comes with power and demonstration. And Jesus said to his disciples, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. What he was really saying, he's saying, guys, I brought my kingdom with me. But unless you have a transformed heart and a transformed mind, you will never be able to receive or perceive my world that I brought. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Then he called the disciples to follow him. These guys were fishermen, knuckleheads. I could only imagine the arguments that they had on the boat, the competition that was taking place on the boat. But one of the things I know about boats, guys, is boats were created to have fish in them. The gospel is like this water. Every human being needs water. Just like every human being needs the gospel. It's living water. Water that changes the human heart. And when I said yes to Jesus Christ, he took me on a journey, just like the journey that many of you guys are on, following Jesus. 
Sometimes following Jesus isn't convenient. Sometimes he asks you to do things that are not convenient. Asks you to step out when it's not on your time, but it's on his time. He'll say, follow me, and then he asks you to do things that are just way out of your comfort zone. How many people have ever, God's asked you to do something, you're like, hey, God, are you sure you really want me to do that right now? Listen, that's the safest place to be in. The moment you think that you have it all figured out and you know Jesus so really, really well and you've mastered everything about Jesus and you become a professional Christian, that's the moment you're not living from your heart but you're living from your head. Because Jesus will ask us to do things that are not in our comfort zone sometimes. And that's why it requires faith. That's why it requires us to hold his hand. It says in Hebrews 11.6, But without faith it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. And he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. It takes faith to follow Jesus. It takes relying on him, not relying on our own strength. I talked to a couple gentlemen the other day. One of them said he's on a highway to hell. He's on a highway to hell, and he's got a first-class ticket to hell. He told me about his lifestyle that he was living. He says, I can't change. I said, do you ever think that you could actually live the Christian life on your own strength? Did you think that living the Christian life on your own strength is possible? No, my friend. You don't change in your strength. You change by his strength moving through your life. You can't live the Christian life in your own strength. You need God. The Pharisees tried to do everything in their own strength. That's why Jesus came, to empower us to do something that we couldn't do in our own strength. Following Jesus is risky. And it's an amazing adventure. And I believe that God's mobilizing the church right now to live with adventure. See, you and I, we were both created for adventure. We weren't created just to go to church. We were created to become the church. Going to church, you know, just to go to church so that we said we went to church. Hey, did you go to church Sunday? Yep, did. Oh, good for you, yeah. That's, that's not what Jesus had in store. Going to church is wonderful because we get to be in relationship with each other. We get to connect. But going to church should inspire us when we're together to go to the world. To impact society. To impact our neighbors. Moved into a nice neighborhood a few years ago. And God spoke to me and said, Chris, you know what? You reach out to a lot of poor neighbors, neighborhoods. You've done that a lot your whole life since you've been here in Redding, California. You've done a lot of ministry in Redding, California. In Redding, I serve as the outreach director at Bethel Church. And, and so we do a lot of stuff in different neighborhoods. And most of the neighborhoods that we're in, to be honest with you, aren't the nicest neighborhoods. So I move into a nice neighborhood and God says, hey, Chris, I want you to reach your neighbors. I want you to reach your neighbors. You live in a nice neighborhood, Chris. Even rich people need to know me. Even middle class people need to know me. Isn't it interesting? Sometimes we can be in the same neighborhood and our neighbors don't even know our names. We can be in our neighborhood for like 5, 10, 20 years and neighbors don't even know our names. God says to me, hey, Chris, I want you to meet your neighbors. I want you to tell them about me. Follow me. So I met some of my neighbors. Uh, met my neighbor, Felipe. 
Felipe was out of work for a year, I found out. He had injured his back in a mountain biking accident. So I found out a little bit about him, and um, I asked if I could pray for his back. This is the first time I met him. Found out he was hurt, and I said, hey, can I pray for your back? He looked at me with a strange look. He's like, you want to do what? I am your neighbor. I love Jesus. <laughs> I'd like to pray for your back. And he says, if you want to. Yeah, you're asking an evangelist if I want to. Yes, I'd like to right now. <laughs> I think it's fun to see people get saved, healed, and delivered. Yeah, you know, I, I would like to do that. So I pray for him. Nothing happens. Do you know there's a difference between a healing and a miracle? You know, sometimes miracles are just instantaneous. Healing sometimes is a progressive work. And sometimes when we don't see the instant fruit, when we step out, we get discouraged and we say, you see, God, nothing happened. But God's doing things behind the scene. So I pray for him. He doesn't feel anything. He doesn't sense anything. He probably thinks I'm a little strange. That's what he's probably thinking. So he hasn't worked in about a year, and his, uh, his wife calls him one day while she's at work. And he's just hanging out at home. He says, hey, Felipe, you ever thought about riding your bike today? It's a really nice day. He says, no, my back still hurts. And she says, oh, okay. Just, just thought about asking you. She hangs up the phone. Calls back a little bit later on a break. And she says, hey, Felipe, it's such a nice day. Have you thought about riding your bike? He says, no, my back's hurting. And he hangs up the phone. She hangs up the phone. She calls back a few hours later on another break. She says, hey, Felipe, have you ridden your bike today? And he says, no, I haven't ridden my bike today. And she says, I can't believe you haven't ridden your bike today. It's such a nice day. And she hangs the phone up on him. (laughs) So Felipe says, you know what, I'm in pain right now, but. Let's see what I can do for around 20, 30 minutes. So he gets on his bike. My neighborhood, I live by the river trail, and there's some, some off-road trails as well for mountain biking. And um, so he, he's starting to ride his bike around the river trail. And he realizes around after 20, 30 minutes, there's no pain in his back. And he's thinking to himself, oh, my goodness, this is amazing. There's no pain in my back. So he decides, I'm going to ride a little bit longer. So he rides a little bit longer, and an hour goes by. He's like, I can't believe this. There's no pain in my back. I've had pain in my back for a year. So he rides a little bit longer, in there, and he decides, hey, I'm going to actually try to go off-road, and I'm going to go mountain biking. <laughs> so he mountain bikes for a little bit, and then he sits down on this, like, little ledge, this little bench that oversees, like, a lake and river area. And he sits down on this bench, beautiful day. And all of a sudden, wind in the trees. But in the wind, he hears a voice speak to his heart. Instantaneously, he begins to weep and cry. Because Felipe knows that it was Jesus Christ that healed his back. As he's weeping and crying, my friends, he says, Jesus, I knew of you. I've heard of you. I knew of you, but I never knew you. 
He says, Jesus, from this day forward, I'm going to follow you the rest of my life. He rides his bike home. Tells his wife, his wife's impacted. They go to church. Whole family gets born again. Whole family gets born again. So Felipe lives right beside me. He walks his big dog and we have these talks sometimes. And he's just sharing the love of Jesus, what Jesus is doing in his heart now. He's been born again for a few years and God has changed his life. And God has changed his family's life. See, my friends, God wants to do some supernatural things through your life. Every one of you are significant. Every single one of you are important to God. None of you are a second-class citizen. You're significant to Jesus. And the power of the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. If you're a believer in Jesus, there is resurrection power living inside of you. You have enough power inside of you to raise the dead. God wants to use you in extraordinary ways. See, if I was the devil, which I'm not, say he's not. One of the things I would tell you is I would tell you you're not really anointed, but your neighbor is. I tell you, you don't really have what it takes. You're not an evangelist. You're not like a Todd White. You're not like a Chris Overstreet. You're just not like those people. You're more quiet. You're more reserved. Stepping out isn't really for everyone. See, if I was the devil, which I'm not, I'd put... I'd have you put your light under a basket. Jesus said, you're the light of the world. I want you to turn to your Bibles to Romans 1.16. So one of my life verses here. Romans 1.16, it says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For, it, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Let's look at verse 17 one more time. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed, talking about in the gospel of Christ, for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. When you know that you're a son and a daughter, when you've been made right with Jesus, when you are the righteousness of Jesus Christ, you get to live by faith by faith. That means your faith grows. How does it grow? By you realizing that you're a son, that you're a daughter, that you've been blood-bought by Jesus Christ, and you get to take steps of faith. Says, follow me. When you follow Jesus, that means you're taking steps. Following Jesus means you're going somewhere. You're taking steps. Sometimes Jesus takes me places that I don't really want to go. It's uncomfortable. It's not familiar. It's a little scary. I often feel like Peter sometimes. He says, step out on the boat. Are you sure, God? 
you really want me to do that? Yeah, I want you to walk on water. I want you to do something that you can't do in your own strength. I want to be the strength. See, if you feel weak, my friends, I'm telling you, he will make you strong. If you feel insignificant, my friends, God wants to transform your mind that you know that you are significant. God wants to empower ordinary people to openly display the raw power of God. We get to give the world an encounter, not just a good slogan. Now, I know that as I'm speaking this morning, there is a burning and a fire in the hearts here. I can feel it in the atmosphere. I can feel something happening right now in this spirit. I know many of you have been praying, God, I want you to touch my life in an extraordinary way. And I know that the Holy Spirit is going to come upon people mightily today. I dropped my cough drop. God wants to use this. He wants to do incredible things through us. Isaiah 61, it says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the broken heart, proclaim liberty to the captives, and opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joyful mourning, and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that he may be glorified. The Holy Spirit resting on your life serves a purpose. Anytime you have an encounter with God, it's not just so that you can talk about your encounter. It's so that you can become an encounter. Someone asked me one time, say, Chris, I was just in a conference recently. My wife and I, we went to Canada with our little daughter, Brielle, who is one years old now and two weeks. So we were just in Canada just recently. And someone asked me in the Q&A session, we were doing a school of evangelism there. Someone asked me, they said, Chris, tell me your greatest encounter. I said, give me, give me your greatest encounter. Tell me your greatest encounter. I said, you want to know my greatest encounter? It was when I was 18 years old when I got born again, when Jesus Christ came inside of me. There's no other encounter greater than that or encounter. It's when I got born again. And we encounter the love of Jesus so that we can become an encounter to the world. I want to do something really quickly. I want to have probably about Five individuals quickly come up here. Yeah, not, not everyone at once, please. One, two, three, four, five, and two. Right here. Right. Okay. Come up, come up, come on up here. Yeah, it's all right. There's one more. It's fine. If you go over five, it's okay. All right. All right, I want you to turn around and face them. Okay. Okay, this is what I want to do. I'm gonna give an example here, all right? Of what happens when you believe in the gospel that Jesus Christ is so powerful? What happens when you believe that you're on assignment? Okay, guys, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go out into the world, okay? I want you to go out into the world right now. Just go out in the world. And what I want you to do is I want you to preach the gospel. Just imagine you're preaching the gospel and people are getting born again. And I want you to bring them back up here, okay? Just touch somebody's hand and just uh, talk to them about Jesus. Bring them up here right now.
Okay, these individuals, they just got born again. They just met Jesus Christ. Okay, and these individuals, what they're doing is they're teaching them. They're teaching them the things of the Lord. They're discipling them. They're not just making converts. They're discipling them. And as they're learning, they're doing. And not only are they learning and doing, but now they're actually teaching other people around them. And the very thing that they've learned, they actually impart to other people and they do it as well. Go out and go out to the world, guys. Go, all of you guys, go out to the world and share the gospel again. Wherever they go, people are getting radically touched and transformed. People are getting saved. People are getting healed. People are being baptized in the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of rejoicing going on. Give them a hand clap. There's a great harvest taking place. The church of Jesus Christ is being mobilized to preach the gospel. The boat is being filled. All right, I want you guys just to look that way. Every boat, every fishing boat was created to have fish in it. The church is like a boat. The church is like the boat. And Jesus is giving us nets to throw out into the world. Mass evangelism. But he's also giving us fishing poles. One-on-one evangelism. Give these guys a hand clap. Would you do that? Now let's say... Let's say there's individuals that maybe they weren't taught that they could do what these guys were taught. These guys were just taught that it's normal for you to share your faith. But let's just say that there were people that were taught that they didn't have what it took. They weren't anointed. They need more schooling. They need more training. They need to work really good on their character. And until they're really, really mature in their character, that's when they can step out and share their faith. What if they have a mindset that's disempowering and says, well, you don't really even know that many scriptures, so what do you have to share? What do you have to say? What if they were comparing themselves to so many people and they didn't do anything? Listen, my friends, we can have two mindsets. We can have a disempowering mindset or we can have an empowering mindset that says we can the choice is ours. The Bible says to us, you and I as believers, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that we can prove the will of God. What is the will of God on earth as it is in heaven? When our mind is transformed, our heart is transformed, we're able to see what is on the heart of God and we're able to bring it to earth as it is in heaven. God wants to use us in power. He wants to manifest himself to us and through us. I know that Lord is doing something in people's hearts right now. He's touching down. He's cultivating hearts. Some of us have a, 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 a irritation in our heart. It's like, 
It's a holy irritation that says, man, I want more. I want the power of God released through my life. I want God to do something in me, and I want God to do something through me. Holy irritation is good because it causes us to say, God, I want my life to make a difference. I'm hungry to know you and to make you known to this generation. Every time you say yes to Jesus and you step out out of a relationship with Jesus Christ, knowing that you're already a son, already a daughter for those who are in Christ Jesus, meaning that you're not doing something so that you can become a son, so that you can become more loved. You're stepping out because you know that you're a son. You know you're a daughter. Every time you step out and share your faith, you're doing spiritual warfare in the heavenlies. And every time you do that, what happens is you create a pathway for other people to come right behind you. Your life makes a difference. The Bible says that the believers would lay their hands on the sick and they'd recover. And I know that there's people here today, you need a miracle in your body. You need Jesus to heal you. And Jesus is here today to save. He's here today to heal. And he's also here to deliver. There's some people here today that you don't know what it's like to be forgiven of your sins. You don't know what it's like to have a living relationship with Jesus. But in just a moment, you will. When your heart is going to come alive like my heart came alive when I was 18 years old. I knew that I knew that I knew that I was a sinner. And I knew that there was a Savior that wanted to save me. I knew that he had a plan for my life. I didn't know it in my intellect. I knew it in my heart. Something changed supernaturally. And that's what the gospel does. It changes our hearts. Jesus died on the cross 2,000 years ago for you and I to have a relationship. He died so that we could know that we're children of God. He died so that we could live in right relationship with him and display him wherever we go. And I want to lead you in a prayer right now. You say, Chris, I don't have a relationship with Jesus, but something is burning inside of my heart right now, and I want to know him. I want to have a relationship. I want to have a living relationship with Jesus. I want to lead us in a corporate prayer right now, my friends. And there is no magic in the words, but if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, you believe that he died and he rose again and he has power to cleanse your sins. My friends, if you confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says that you shall be saved. And right now, I'd, I'd like to everyone to stand to your feet. I want to invite you to stand. Many people are going to receive Jesus this morning. And then we're going to pray for healing. Um, God's going to use many of you here in healing. And then we're going to pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And many people will be baptized in the Holy Spirit and mobilized to preach the gospel with power. If you can feel that in your heart, you, you're feeling a desire to preach the gospel with boldness and power, let me see your hands right now. I, I feel it in the Spirit. I sense something happening supernatural here this morning. If you're here this morning, you say, I'm not born again, Chris. I don't have a living relationship with Jesus, but I want it. I want to lead you into prayer right now. There's no magic in the words, but if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, 
Jesus has the power to cleanse all your sins, not just some sins. Jesus didn't die just for some sins. He died for all sins. His blood has never dried up. His blood is running rampantly right now all over planet earth. And it has the power to cleanse anyone that says, Jesus, I want to know you. I want to come to you. There's no sin too big for Jesus. He paid for them all. You see, you and I, we don't have the power to cleanse our sins. You and I, we aren't wealthy enough to purchase our sins. No money in the world can purchase your sins. No money enough in the world you put in the tithes and the offering can cleanse your soul. My friends, there is one person that is so wealthy. He is one person that has purchased all of humanity for those who believe. The most wealthiest person alive, a multi-multi-billionaire, could not sit across from Jesus and says, Jesus, I have money, masses of amounts of money, and I heard that you have the power to cleanse sins. I want to trade my money for your blood. Jesus would look at that man and say, I don't need your money. I don't need your money for this great cleansing that you need. I've already given you the greatest gift. All you need to do is receive it. It's a gift. If you want to know Jesus right now as your personal Lord and Savior, we're going to pray together a corporate prayer. And then I'm going to ask you, after you receive Jesus Christ, if you gave your life to Jesus Christ, I want you to boldly raise your hand and say, yes, that's me. Today, I'm giving my life to Jesus, and I'm following him for the rest of my life.